Hey folks, Happy New Year. To celebrate the one month anniversary of Bushel, I'm offering a 50% discount this week for the pro subscription for Bushel. That's right, you can get a 50% off a yearly subscription of Bushel at $31.99 USD. So if you want to do any advanced stuff with snapshots, such as adding metadata or automatic snapshots, and we have some really great features coming down the line that are going to be pro only, I highly recommend you take advantage of this this week. Bushel is a really great app. I've heard nothing but good things from folks, and I think this is a great opportunity for you to up your macOS development and macOS testing game. So definitely take advantage of this. It's only going to be available 50% off for a week. And if you're more hesitant and just want to be a beta tester, we are still looking for beta testers. So you can definitely check that out at getbushel.app and sign up for test flight there. Thank you so much for everybody who's been supporting me on the work I've been doing in Bushel. It's by no means done. I took a break over Christmas, but we've got some new versions coming out soon with bug fixes, new hubs with more macOS versions, and it's great. It's going to be awesome. I also wanted to let you know that I'll be speaking at New York's 50 this year, April 23rd and 24th. My talk will be Advancing in Swift by Learning How to Count. I think it's going to be an interesting talk on mathematics, numbers, and Swift in avoiding some overly complicated code and when maybe really advanced features are worth your time. If you are interested in coming to see me at New York's 50, you can use the discount code Discount promo code LEO and get 10% off your ticket. That's LEO to get 10% off your ticket to New York Swifty. If you're going to be there, let me know. I'd love to see you. And it's going to be a fantastic time. I love New York. And I think I'm really excited to, to speak about this really interesting subject. Lastly, I've opened up some spots this year for new projects. So if you are looking for help with any of your apps or any of your work in the Swift and Apple space in 2024, you definitely want to get a hold of me, leo at brightdigit.com. I do work in iOS, macOS, watchOS, tvOS, Vision Pro, server side, whatever it is. I would love to help you and your team. I have 10 years of experience. And if you have been following this podcast, I'm pretty good at explaining and talking about stuff and communicating with your team. So I want to help you out. What can I do? What can I do to help you with your Swift UI issues, your weird core data problems, or you just, just need an extra helping hand? Definitely reach out to me, leo at brightdigit.com. We'd love to help you. You can also reach out to me on social media as well. Feel free to DM me. And let me know how can we help you and your team with whatever app projects you have coming down the pipeline. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and watching my YouTube videos. I'm really excited for 2024. If you want to continue to stay up to date, I highly recommend following me on social media and also signing up for the newsletter. We have a new article coming out on dependencies that we're going to be sharing in our newsletter that I highly think it's going to be fantastic and super helpful if you're having issues with dependencies and testing. The newsletter is located at brightdigit.com slash newsletter. Sign up there to get the latest issues as they come out. And then if you really want to stay on top of everything, we have our brand new Patreon, patreon.com slash brightdigit, where you can get early access to episodes, articles, all sorts of stuff that I'm working on, see how things are going with Bushel or whatever apps I'm working on right from there. So sign up for the Patreon to get early access and you're... It's definitely worth it. I highly recommend checking that out. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Bye.
Welcome to another episode of Empower Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dian. Today, I am joined with Martin Lossick. Martin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Before we begin, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. All right, yeah. So my name is Martin Lossick. I'm an iOS engineer at Alaska Airlines, and I have been an engineer since almost a decade. And I've always loved back-end side of work as well as front-end. And I'm stuck with front-end and iOS development, but always have something for the back-end as well going. Eh, Alaska, do they, and I assume they have a separate team for back-end stuff. That's true, yeah. They have a separate team for back-end. I'm only front-end in, at Alaska. Okay, okay. Awesome. We, we're we both going to be speaking at New York Swifty, as we talked about before the recording, and I mentioned in the pre-show. You've, what are you speaking on? At New York Swifty, that's going to be a, actually a new and exciting talk for me, because I just got into game development using Swift from from scratch, and I wanted to see how easy it actually is to implement a multiplayer game, because I couldn't believe it's hard how everybody says it is to say, oh, don't do it. <laughs> so I did, just did it, and then I thought, hey, this is actually so straightforward. I should talk about it at New York Swifty. And so that's going to be my talk. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show in your little multiplayer game project. But one of the things you wanted to talk about today was the idea about building in public. What exactly did you mean by building in public exactly? Yeah, the base idea is basically sharing anything and everything you do as you build something. App, website, SaaS, or even not even software related. Just share what you're building as you're building it in public so you're building it in public and that's the gist of it and i just discovered this last year actually there's a whole community on twitter and last year when i discovered this i was like holy cow there's so many people are building in public and they're sharing their experiences and their learnings i want to do that too what the, who are some folks that you would recommend following on twitter who are building in public Oh yeah, there's so many and I'm sure, I'm going to miss some names for sure, especially the handles because I don't remember the handles, but maybe there's show notes where we can like list three or five, yeah. but some of them became closer friends. Like we have Mateo, we have Iman, Chris, Sebastian. There's like classic ones that are like the goats of it, Levels IO and what's his name with his Headshot Pro SaaS. But yeah, there's a bunch of the smaller ones that I'm highly engaged with and then some bigger ones that... That it's also worth following to see how they're how they actually did it because they made like levels IO made I think 500k in one month wow. during the AI profile. He actually kicked off the market of AI profile pictures by wow. accident, awesome. if you will. Yeah. So one of the so I've I try to build in public, and my problem is getting myself into the habit of sharing what I'm yeah. working on. What are some ways or tips that can encourage people? Not like they don't want to do it, but more just getting into a habit of sharing what they do in public. What are some habits or tips that you might have to help with that? I think the first thing I would say is don't sweat if you're not consistent about it uh, or you don't find anything. Because I feel like most people might stress themselves out of, out. like, I have to post something. I have to find something that is worth posting. That would be like my first advice. And then the second is just as you build something and every time you code, you always have something that you found interesting that you just did because it's always or, or you have a f new feature that you just finished mm -hmm. or you started 
and you just share that. It sounds sometimes boring, but it's really not. Because if you put yourself into other shoes, other people's shoes, you don't find the same thing you find boring to post, boring to read from others, if okay. that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So don't, it's like art, you're putting artificial stones in your own way without proof. Oh, this is boring, says who? <laughs> yeah. What I was going to say, what was something that you posted in public that you were surprised by how, how good or positive of a reception mm. you got? Yeah. So there was this one post that kicked off actually my latest sauce that I'm building. So I have a workout app. And last year I decided, okay, you know what? I want to now start generating revenue with the apps I'm building because I've never really put this as a priority. It's like the classic developer. I'm just building because of the sake of building and it doesn't have to make money. It's just a side project. But last year I thought, okay, you know what? Might as well try to generate some revenue. So I started building new features for my workout app, Better Workout, in public. And then I just posted one post about the feature request board that I implemented in it. And I shared it with a short story, very short, how the idea came to life. And I had this idea already 10 years ago. And this one went viral and people were saying, oh, I would build this if it was a standalone product and I would have to, I would love to add this to my app and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this a standalone product. So that, yeah, really was surprising that it went viral and then kicked off the next app that, that I'm building now. What do you think makes that more viral than say other projects that you've done? Yeah, it's a good point. It's hard to say what makes something viral, really. I mean, part <laughs> I of knew. it, I feel, is the shareability <laughs> of it. Like when you talked about the AI profile, I was like, okay, that's perfect. Or the stuff we've seen with widgets, like that's easy for someone to post on TikTok. And that usually helps with the virality of something. You're right. Yeah. I think a general rule is you have a higher probability if you share some kind of media, like videos or pictures. Increase your chance of engagement. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I It's just sometimes I'm working on boring apps and like trying to figure out how to do that. It's, it's a little bit more challenging. Boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What would you recommend as something people should avoid sharing when they are sharing something? Is there anything that you're like, yeah, that probably isn't ready for prime time or it's a privacy hmm. concern or something like that? I've been always more on the on the side that is a little bit more lenient. I have good faith in people. I always assume the good. And obviously there is bad out there and they would cause some harm or try to scam you if you share too much personal mm -hmm. stuff. I've luckily never run into it personally, but I guess it's just about your project. I feel like you can share anything. You can share anything about your project as long as it's not disclosing your private information. That's my take on it. There's some developers who would not like to share everything. So they avoid the copycats, right? Because right. you want to generate some revenue and you're creating competition. But I believe that that's not really a problem per se. Copycats are always going to be there and you're going to, you're passionate about your project. So you're going to always have an edge over those people and ultimately prevail. That's my, yeah, that's my thinking. What what do you, have you ever tried like just fully open sourcing an app and going that route? And what's your thought mm -hmm. process on going either way with that? Yeah, yeah, open sourcing to me contradicts my current goal of generating revenue because if I'm open sourcing it and I'm trying to generate revenue, then it's for sure just easy to for anyone to just copy paste the app 
and just submit it to the App Store themselves. Right. So I am not open sourcing anything right now. Generally, I love open source software and I'm contributing when I can and I'm creating whatever I feel can be open source, like my packages, dependencies. But yeah, not products, not things that are meant to generate revenue. Those per those things are not open source. My kind of like rule of thumb is maybe like open sourcing components of the app as separate reusable mm -hmm. Swift packages, but yeah. not like the whole app itself per se. That seems yeah. like a better fit. Unless it's an educational tool, it's not really like worthwhile open sourcing a whole app. I think um, that's a great balance. You're yeah. open sourcing still while keeping hopefully the <laughs> proprietary stuff. Exactly, exactly. What are some other like key things you wanted to mention about building in public that you found yeah. helpful? How long have you been doing it? You said for a year? Yeah, I did for one year now and okay. I've not been consistent with posting every day. There's others who are super consistent with it and they grow faster for sure. And growth is not really why you're doing it in the first place. It's more like because you because of you sharing it, other people are going to start engaging with you and you want to actually engage with them because those are like-minded people who are doing the same thing, like building in public. And so other things that I would recommend to do is find other people who are build, building in public and support them. The support is coming back and it costs you nothing. And it helps them stay motivated and they will help you stay motivated. And eventually some of them become friends. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> One thing I was going to mention was that you're currently working on something building in public. We hinted at that. The multiplayer yeah. game. You have a YouTube channel, obviously. If people don't know about it, please join. I'll put a link to his channel in the notes and maybe in the card here or something. But yeah, you've been mostly working on this multiplayer game and that's been a whole built in public stream, right? As well, yes. Yeah. How long has that been going on? And what have you found... Like, how long have you been streaming, like, your work? Like, I know you yeah. do courses online, but, like, as far as, like, actual, like, just streaming Xcode, what have you found is, like, something you've learned or you wish you knew when you first got started? I found it doesn't harm your business if you stream what you're coding. Like, I'm streaming even WishKit development, and WishKit mm -hmm. is something I'm generating revenue with. And some would argue... Well, you're exposing yourself to copycats and they can easily copy code because it's actually not open source, that part. But, and I have been streaming on and off and more recently I started to be more consistent about it. It's just a little bit hard as a dad and husband to find the time. So most of the time it's starting at 10 p.m. or midnight when I have the time for it. And then I stay up until 3 a.m. like last night, sleep four hours. And then I return to my nine to five like today. But yeah, what I found stream with streaming is you have a different type of people who are coming in who are not building in public but interested in software development and you love co talking about code. And I assume all of us love talking about our code. Then this is just a fun thing to do. You can build it. So this thing is, what I'm thinking is, look, I'm sitting at my desk coding anyway. Might as well just turn the camera on and stream it. And the benefit of that is that's like free marketing it's free audience building. And to be honest, if you stream simultaneously on five platforms, which I do, you get the best ROI. You have one single input and I get a return of investment on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram. Are you just using like Restream to do that? Restream is one of the options. I use actually Streamlabs yeah. so I can, yeah, do it from my, from my machine. 
That's awesome. So you do wish kit and you do your multiplayer game. That's what you've been streaming. Yes. Correct. Explain. So I'm curious now, what's this multiplayer game? Do you have a name for it yet? There is a name for it. Yeah. I called it pixel blitz. Okay. So how does it work? What's the game? Yeah. So the game, the, I approached it actually backwards. Usually you would have an idea, you sketch it out and then you go build it. But this time around, the idea was to use WebSockets to build a multiplayer game, but I wasn't sure yet what kind of. I just wanted to do it, to learn. So I just started off with just like a 2D pixel character on the screen to be able to shoot a bullet and walk left and right, and then okay. implement WebSockets to translate that information to or send that information to a second device and see how I can make this work. And then it just took it from there ch- step by step. I started this end of October, beginning of November, okay. and I was just chipping away every week a little bit. And now it's in the state of where you can have you can have your player on the field with up to five other players simultaneously. You can have your name, you can shoot them, you can pick up items. Now I'm at the state to say, okay, now I have to introduce a world state in the back end because you cannot just pick up items on your device and on every other device it's not synced up or they pick up the thing at the same time. So I have to do that. And it's still simple as it's everything is like MVP. You just allow yourself to have some things that just don't work properly, like a little bit of lag or the enemy actually shot you first, but your data was faster or arrived faster. So too bad when someone has poor network <laughs> and it's slower than you're dead first. But yeah, so this is basically a multiplayer shooter game, 2D on a on an island. And right now you can just shoot one another and pick up ammunition. Okay, okay. So explain some of the technology you're using behind the scenes. Yeah, totally. So for iOS, I'm using SpriteKit. Okay. And that's basically it. The assets, I'm MVPing everything. So I'm just going online and just snatch the assets from HIO that are for free. Just so I don't have to do that. And for backend, I'm still using Swift, but Vapor as a framework. Okay. Okay. So how's, are they, is this their first time dealing with SpriteKit and Vapor? As a combination, yes. But frontend Swift and backend Swift has been since 2016. Um, Okay. Okay. So you've done some of this stuff before. What did you find in your experience with using Sprite? Let's start off with SpriteKit. So you've built stuff with SpriteKit before? Not really. Okay. Not really. That's also like, I would say the first time. Okay. What did you, how did you find? So I know that you have also built something with (laughs) WebSockets. That's what I'm using for the web web technology. But how do I find SpriteKit? So surprisingly, it's super simple and straightforward. And okay. honestly, that the resources are thin on the internet, but ChatGPT really helps. Like ChatGPT really helps you there with anything. Okay. And you, okay. Yeah. yeah, I've never built a game, or at least I haven't built a game in a long time. So I've never dabbled in SpriteKit. But yeah, yeah we've both worked on websites. So how what did you think of Vapor and WebSockets before we I love it. That? Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you, are you just sending like JSON back and forth and decoding it or how are you? Yeah. Yep. That's basically what it is right now. Okay. Okay. And then what are you storing your WebSockets like just in a dictionary or using some database or something? 
Yeah, there's no database right now. I just implemented an architecture and it just grew from nothing to something, okay. really. In the beginning, honestly, the first time I just made WebSockets work, the backend didn't, wasn't even aware what data was sent. It was just a pass through. It was yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. oh, data is coming in from this WebSocket. Let me broadcast it to all the other connected WebSockets currently, except yep. for this one. Yep. That's it. Yeah. And yeah, and now I, then you implement like a dictionary where you have, you call it maybe rooms and then you say, okay, up to five websockets can be stored at the first key of yep. the dictionary in an array. And then that's your room. And then you broadcast within it. And then you, yeah, introduce new, new rooms as new players are trying to enter a game and they're all munched together up until five. And then a new room is created. Okay. Fairly, yeah. Yeah. We've both done work with websockets and vapor. I use it in. Heart Twitch and GB for yeah. setting heart rates. So I use HealthKit. HealthKit takes in a new heart rate and it sends it to the WebSocket. And then on the WebSocket is open and it listens for someone's new heart rate and displays it essentially. And yeah, you, it's and go ahead. You build it as a maybe also as a widget for Twitch or something? It was meant for streaming? Yeah. So the way it works is there's just a web URL that displays the heart rate. It uses view. Yeah, it uses view. And then. Yeah. It just basically, you would put that URL in OBS and then it would display that URL in, like, you could put it wherever you want in OBS and so on. Yeah. Yep. And how successful has it been? Because that's a cool idea. Yeah, it's really useful. It's interesting. I'm going through and trying to think about what's next for it. Probably like a rebranding, perhaps. And maybe there's a lot of updates to watch OS that I really want to take advantage of. Specifically, right now, I just do a put when I want to output a heart rate and I want to move yeah. that over to a WebSocket because WebSockets weren't available on watchOS when I was building it. Yeah, that's one of the things I want to start doing and a few other things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're saying the connection from the WebSocket to your backend is actually just a network request, but the front end of the heart rate is a WebSocket connection to the backend. Yes, yeah, yeah. The web, the web page is the one that uses the WebSocket. And then when you do a put, from the watch it updates it sends out to all the web sockets yeah yeah yep yeah That's exactly cool. yeah it is very cool we've moved recently over to redis for some of that stuff but it worked perfectly fine with the dictionary as well i didn't have any problems with that yeah. sounds like you're going i want to do binary jason or beep beep bison bison i just never could figure out how to code it on the web front end quite as well as I wanted to, just seeing well, if I can make that packet of info as small as possible is what I'd like to do, as opposed to a string. I wonder, my question would be, do you run into any problems that you need to do that? Because that's no, always what I, I think. Like, no, I don't. No, I don't, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's totally fair. Yeah. yeah Whatever that's... I can do. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. For the fun of it, you want to do it for the fun of it. For the fun of it, just the, like stability. Okay, now if I want to send even more info... Like, I don't feel like, oh, crap, like the string is getting way too long. Right. Just to efficiency, I'm running, where are you hosting your stuff at? On the Roku. Yep. Oh, okay. So same here. Yep. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Roku's great for getting started. I highly recommend it. I know it's not free, but it's still pretty darn cheap. And like, yeah, it's just easy to get up and running and you can expand it easily. And I've had... We've had some we've had some issues with Heroku, but I'll take it over having to walk through every little thing on Amazon or some other outfit that's like more difficult to just get going 
Yeah, the startup thing is like a big deal for me because I don't know proper alternatives where it's so easy to get going. I know there's like Versal the or Fly. Yeah. It's so easy. Yeah. Yeah. What um, what made you want to do... Okay, so a couple of technologies I was going to ask about that I don't know if you looked into was doing something like SharePlay. Did you look at that mm-hmm. as a possibility of sharing game, whatever, game status? Yeah. Yeah. Never. I've never looked into SharePlay. Okay. So it's like you're, you're sharing your display as you play the game. But you can share... I've done it with a to-do list where you can share a to-do list and then both iPhones with separate Apple IDs have stay in sync with SharePlay. I've done that. Is it like a pretty well, but then you don't, you don't need a server. So I don't know. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't looked into that. I haven't never considered that. I did think of, or even suggested to do like a local multiplayer game where you use like a local, there's like APIs that you can use to locally connect with, uh, with other iPhones. And that'll be something that is also new to explore. It's just so much. And then the other thing I was going to say to even make it more crazy, and I know we've had we've talked about this on the show because we've had Tim Condon on and a few other server team folks. Distributed actors. Did you ever look at that? Man, no, but it's t- very like at the top of the list. <laughs> okay, okay. I've never looked at it. It sounds super cool because as somebody who's like really wants to get into concurrency and mm-hmm. distributed actors is essentially server side concurrency stuff and it sounds a lot like what you're trying to do but yeah i haven't jumped into it i just wanted to mention it because yeah but web sockets are great yeah they work they're really easy to get going i'm totally big yeah yeah and i'm also go ahead well i was just gonna say there's like good web like support for it it's not like some weird technology that you're not gonna find if you're gonna do anything on a web page there's totally. plenty of js no js libraries to get started with that as well yeah anything any yeah you'll find it in any language i'm sure yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would love to demystify WebSockets because that's, I remember when you start off as a developer, there's always these milestones where you feel like, oh, I'm not independent yet. I cannot just build anything I want. When you start off building websites or whatnot, or apps, if you will, then you're always limited by the skill set you have. And at the beginning, you don't even know how to authenticate stuff or build sign up or registration. Oh and gosh. that's one of the, f- yeah. And that's like intimidating at first. And then once you go over this, then you feel like, man, this is, it's a new milestone. Now I can build even more stuff, putting things behind authentication. And I think WebSocket is one of those things where it's not that hard, but it's like, it can be intimidating because you just don't know how to use it. And I love what you're doing though, too, with your stream where you're taking two fairly, and this is my, this is the same with why I enjoy doing hard twitch. It's two strange technologies you're putting together, like you're doing game development and web sockets, and you're like merging them together. And I love that. Like with me, it's like health kit, Swift yeah. UI, and web sockets, and technologies you wouldn't think would go together and be like, those are the projects I love to do because nobody's going to do that. And it really, it's difficult, but it really helps you both understand both technologies. Like you're learning yeah. two new technologies at the same time, Sprite Kid and web sockets and vapor that's awesome totally yeah it's you're right it's difficult but at the same time it's only there's two differences of difficulties one is where it's just like sweat oh building a wall is difficult because it's just heavy to do like stones lifting but it's not like it's not oh solving a formula that you have no idea how to solve because that's difficult too but i can't i'm like i'm too stupid (laughs) what not so web socket is like the first thing i would say is like building a wall is just can be difficult but 
Yeah, he's chipping away and you everybody can do it. It's steep, but it's not long. Maybe that's a good way to put it. It's like, it's a steep yeah. hill, but it isn't like you have to do Once you get over the height, it's not too bad. But it's not yeah. like a marathon per se. Yeah. Oh, know. totally. I don't know. Maybe that analogy works. We'll see. What was like the biggest challenge or what has been the biggest challenge with building Pixel 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 Blitz? Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I should think of renaming it. <laughs> yeah, I, no, no. It's awesome. The biggest challenge in building Pixel Blitz was, let me see, getting, well, WebSockets, getting the players synced. I guess just the part of the WebSockets to get the players synced. Because on the device, you want to think about you have you as a player and then how do you efficiently add enemies and update enemies and i just introduced a dictionary where i can instantly access all the enemies given through an id and then update their position i think yeah really just i don't know there was not just so the, the game state is totally stored on the server right more or less so there is no game state as of right now the right now okay. it's just one device sends information to all other devices about okay. itself and all the other devices are updating this one enemy based on okay. the information received. And so that's Is there all like it... conflicts at all. No, because there's no one else controlling this enemy. What I also do is, okay, yeah, like this could be a conflict. For example, what if two, what if you and I shoot Eman and he dies on your device because of your bullet? But my bullet arrives at your device like a millisecond later, right? Because there is a delay by nature. And I'm actually killing him on my device first and your bullet is one millisecond later. So what I did is just whoever, like you and I are sending this information to the backend and whoever was first to send this data is the one who actually killed him. So you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This is like like small things that I just forgive myself. It still works. It's fine. Let's right. just move on. You can tackle this problem at a later point if you want to, but that's not so the So there's point like a of... timestamp on events that would give you the ability to declare which is early. Basically, <laughs> no, because if there were, then you could decide which one was shot first. But it's basically just, oh, server received from you. He was shot. And then, okay, he's dead now. Sending it further to Eman, he's dead. And then my bullet will never reach him because he's already okay. dead. Okay. Yeah. So I'm avoiding challenges, if you will. Like, yeah, and that know. makes sense. Okay, so that's a great segue to our next part of our talk. MVPs. So yeah. is this a, is this Pixel Blitz? Would you call it an MVP? Not anymore, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's not MVP anymore. I always it's more love like a research project, right? Yeah, and I still try to keep it hard as MVP as possible. Okay. Um, but there are certain things that I just gave in implementing that didn't need to be in place for it to okay. work. And for me, MVP basically just means you have the idea and how much can you strip away to still make this idea work before it breaks? If the idea is, okay, multiple players on a field shooting one another, then you don't need a name label on top. You don't need items to be picked up. You know what I mean? And you don't really need the player to look in all directions. You can just have the player always facing down so you see this player and he can shoot in all directions. And I can just release this game as is and say, okay, you know what? Everybody can enter this field. A hundred players might be a little bit crowded. But, and then this, it works. I guess maybe for MVP, you would limit it to five because else it breaks the game and that's the, but that's it. I should have already released the game. (laughs) 
<laughs> Are you actually going to release it on the App Store? I am. I am. Okay, that's awesome. So Ahmed had shared a, an image or a comic. I don't know if you saw it in our notes. But yeah, so that was always, I thought it was really funny and apt because I've definitely built MVPs that are more like the top as opposed to the bottom. We'll share it in our show notes as well. But the idea of building a car is like building the first wheel as opposed to like building something usable. Yeah. How, I guess I was going to ask, have you ever been in situations where you accidentally have built just a wheel as opposed to a full car? Because I know my my issue with MVP is mm-hmm. sometimes I used to be more like the top where it's okay, just trying to prove that it works, but then you don't build out the full idea. And then, but you should be yeah. building out a full app and then like on top of it as you get more traction. I have difficulties to understand how, for me, MVP means this is a stand- this is standalone product you can now present to someone and have it have this person use it. I have difficulties to understand how someone could declare something as an MVP for someone to use it if you cannot use it yet. Just the wheel, you cannot use it unless they. I don't. I don't know unless they're building more than MVP. But... It could be a case where it's it's oh we just have a sign up form for something. Right. See if you're interested in it, as opposed to a product where they can t- touch it and share it. And I see. So it's like it. partially working, but it yeah. doesn't come full circle. Yeah. Maybe that might be a case or, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The question, is the question like how to avoid this or Why if I think, have ever been in this? Yeah, I think that's part of it. And I also think just what are some common mistakes, I guess, that people have when they build an MVP? Feature creep. Is one common mistake okay. that I see most as feature creep or other, I guess that, and also when people, yeah, I think that's it because then people also start getting dis- demotivated and then just, they just don't continue and they just don't release because they think it's not done yet, but oh, really right, it's totally. already working. There's so many developers who have app ideas and never work, like they work 10 years in the industry, but never publish an app. And then as much there's developers who have started an app and never finished it because <laughs> of feature creep when it could already be on the app store, you're getting feedback and yeah. How can you decide sh- whether some feature, some feature just isn't worth adding to that MVP and how to decide if it's, how do you decide if it's essential yeah. for an MVP or not? If the idea works or not, it's basically for me, the dividing part, like how to describe it. I think it's, to me, it feels if your idea doesn't work in its most rudimentary way, then that's not done yet. For example, for WishKit, the most simplest implementation of it is basically just allow users to submit a feature request and then uh, collect that as a list and allow them also to vote on feature requests submitted by others. And that's it. That's, this is like very rudimentary. And it could just be the title or just like a text box. That's it. And it works. And this is how I released it as well with the dashboard. On the dashboard, you could only view the feature requests and you could not do anything beyond that, really. You couldn't interact with it much. You could delete it, but you couldn't change like a state or something. So, okay, you can see it, you can delete it. So there's some management to it, else it's not going to really work if you have an infinite amount of feature requests and there's like gibberish in between. And then that's the MVP. And then it's working. It's, com- it's basically, like it's coming full circle. Like it's closing the circle of how your product is supposed to use to be used. 
and then you can put glitter on every piece of it. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really good description. I like that a lot. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we close out? Do we miss anything? Let's see. I think you covered all questions that were asked online. Yeah, I think we're good. One other question that I had I didn't put on here, but yeah. we're currently researching a way for people to add new features, like request new features in my app, Bushel. So you have WishKit. You want to explain what WishKit is? Because that's one of the products I'm looking at right now. Oh, totally. Yeah. So WishKit is an SDK that allows you to integrate a feature request or feedback board into your iOS or macOS app with just one line of code so that you can basically know what next feature to build instead of guessing. Because we always have tons of feature ideas that we have in our minds, but we don't know which of those feature requests, features that we have in mind will convert users or users are asking for. So let them tell you. You you cannot think of all features that your apps are missing either. So let them tell you. Basically, you can integrate WishKit. It's, the, it's free to sign up and integrate. And then they will start submitting feature requests and vote on others. And the good thing is based on the voting system, like on Reddit, the top most voted feature, okay, my shiny feature only has 10 votes, but this one has 50. So I should rather implement that one, right? <laughs> and stop wasting my time implementing something that's not that desired because ultimately you want to improve your app and the market tells you what's needed for the app to be better. And so, yeah, which could helps with that. That's the goal. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it's definitely one of my top candidates right now for what I'm looking for. So I highly recommend people check it out. And then again, what was your talk for New York Swifty? Yeah, talk for New York Swifty is I think the title says something like don't build a multiplayer game. And, <laughs> and the don't is the not is crossed off. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like the NT is like in parentheses. So yes, <laughs> implying yes. do. <laughs> and yeah, I'm going to introduce in a very rudimentary way how quickly you can actually implement a working prototype of multiplayer game with SpriteKit and WebSockets for the backend. And hopefully so much that you want to build it the same night you heard that talk. Martin, thank you so much for coming on. It was great. Where can people find you online? Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter. My name is Martin Lazek, just like in one word. And this handle is used across all platforms, luckily. Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch, I'm active there as well. Yeah, and yeah. I'll put links in the show notes as well to your two YouTube channel and Twitter and all that fun stuff. If you want to see Martin and I in New York in April, we have a discount code available, Leo. Use the discount code Leo to get 10% off your ticket to New York 50. So definitely check that out as well. Thank you, Martin. Yeah, thank you so much, Leo, for having me. It was, it was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, we'll definitely do this again. Definitely geek out about WebSockets in New York. I'm excited. Cool. Me too. <laughs> People can find me on Twitter at Leo G. Dion, Bastodon Leo G. Dion at C.IM. My company is Bright Digit. If you're listening to this on a podcast player, please post a review and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube as well. Thank you so much, everyone. Happy New Year. And I look forward to talking to you again. Bye, everyone.